Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friend. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic and sober coach. My addiction has shaped the person I am today and given me the ability and voice to help others, and I simply wouldn't be here without it. Recovery is possible. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to the sobrietydiaries.com where you can apply to be a guest on the show and join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and much more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Before we jump into things today, I wanted to take a moment to thank Exact Nature for partnering with me on today's episode. Founded by a father and son in addiction recovery, Exact Nature's all-natural CBD products are specifically formulated to help you face the exceptional challenges of recovery. As a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off of your order. ExactNature.com. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending part of your day with me here on the Sobriety Diaries. Today's episode is so special and it features a new friend of mine, Jill Teets, the sober scientist. She is the host and brains behind Sober Powered, a recovery podcast that focuses on the science of addiction. And it is unlike anything you've ever heard. I will have all of the details in today's show notes. But without further ado, let's jump into it. Let's open the diary on Jill Teets. Jill Teets, thanks so much for making time for the Sobriety Diaries today. How are you, my friend? I'm good. And thanks for having me. I'm excited to really chat. Yes, fellow podcaster. And we were saying before I hit record that we feel like we know each other, but this is actually the first time that we're getting a chance to talk. So I'm excited too. Yeah, thank you. So I'm almost two years sober. My sober date is November 9th, uh, 2019 was the last drink. And that was actually an anniversary um, of a very traumatic event that had happened in college. and. What I like, I was fine every year. And then around like year 10, I started getting like disturbed again on the day. And so what I would do, of course, is get super drunk and stay up by myself and like put the music videos on. I don't know if you ever did that, like get drunk and watch music videos and like like, cry. That was horrible. I would go to I would go down like these very dark and dramatic YouTube rabbit holes of like just disturbing things. And I would just like almost punish myself. Yeah. So I would do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then like for this specific day, I was like, okay, last year I stayed up till 2am crying and drunk texting people. So this year I'm going to have a plan. And unfortunately the plan started with brunch um, and drinking at brunch, which was something that I typically did every weekend, both days. Um, An excuse to drink early in the day, right? Right. So it doesn't count as like drinking in the morning if it's brunch, even if it's 11. Um, 
Yeah. So I was a daily drinker. So I started drinking um, in graduate school. I didn't drink in college at all. And I started drinking because everybody else drank. And I didn't think they'd want to be my friend if I didn't drink. Um, So I just started ordering like what other people would order because I didn't know how to drink. I didn't know like what do people even get. Yeah. And as soon as I got my first real buzz on back then, I was like, okay, here we go. This is why, this is why everyone's been doing this. I've been missing out. Um, And it was like a thing right away. Like I was getting sick a lot. I would throw up in public places, um, parking garages. I threw up on a very crowded subway platform once. It was so embarrassing. Mm. I threw up on a first date. Um, mm. Yeah. First and that, only date? No. Oh, okay. He wanted to go out again. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of uh, drunken sickness too, but he wanted yeah. to go out again. Hmm. Um so go me. Right. But, yeah. So it was immediately a problem. Like I didn't have a slow descent into problem drinking. It was just like right away, absolutely no control, no understanding of like how to not drink as much. And within the year I was drinking every single day. Mm. Cause what I learned in grad school is that when you're stressed out, you drink. And then you don't have stress anymore. And I was like, okay, well, I'm stressed every day. So like, (laughs) I guess I'll just drink every day. And uh, so I did that for a while and I left graduate school and I got a job as a teacher and that's where all the stress was. And that's when I really started drinking a lot. And I used to make these Cosmos um, in a pint glass. (laughs) So I'd come home from teaching and I'd be like, Hey, honey, to to my husband, like, hey, whatever. And I'd be like on the way to the kitchen. I wouldn't even stop. And I'd get a pint glass and I would fill it like 80% with vodka and then like 10% triple sec and like a drop of diet cranberry juice (laughs) and then a drop. And then halfway through that school year, I actually started drinking two of those a night. And that was when I started to question my drinking. So I was like, this is a lot of alcohol. You're getting very drunk most days of the week from drinking all of these Cosmos. And I was like, okay, we'll just moderate. We'll just drink less. And it seemed like so simple and like it would work. But every strategy I tried, it didn't work. And I would have my husband pour my drinks for me. I would wear rubber bands on my wrist. Like I would put three rubber bands on my wrist for three drinks and I'd take them off when I poured a drink. I had a journal and I'd set like a limit. I think I'd set a limit of like 20 drinks a week, which is still a lot. Yeah. And like a few days into it, I'm already like at 30. And it's mm. like crap. <laughs> and I tried to start that on Friday and maybe that would help. It didn't help. Um, all sorts of things. I used to research how to moderate. I spent a lot of time doing that, researching the benefits of alcohol to justify it. And I pursued moderation for five years. So from 24 to 29. And I never moderated wow. during that time. Yeah. I didn't. 
but I was like, I'm going to do it. I thought about moderating every single day for five years. Um, I researched strategies. I tried new strategies constantly, but never moderated. I mean, as we know now, looking back, it, it doesn't really exist for, for, for people like you and I, but it seems like um, it was your life's work at the time. <laughs> it was it was my life's work. It was my mission. Yeah. It was my purpose to moderate my drinking. Um, yeah, it was so bad. It was so bad. And um, I, when I was 27, I started questioning again. And I was like, maybe I'm an alcoholic. Maybe that's like why I mess. I called it messing up. Mm. Maybe that's why I mess up basically every day. So I went to a therapist and I was like, how do you know if you're an alcoholic or not? And it's a good question, right? How do you know? <laughs> yeah. And the answer is, well, you are because you're asking, <laughs> right? You right. have something going on because you're asking, but that's not what she said. She said, well, I don't think you are, um, but let's try to not drink for a week and just we'll see. And I oh, hadn't skipped bitch, a day. I've been doing this for five, <laughs> I've been doing that for five years, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was freaked. I'm like, I haven't done one day. You want me to not drink for one week? Like, what am I going to do with my time? And I didn't do the week because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. Mm. So I didn't drink. And I went back and we were like, okay, not an alcoholic. We're good. And I, so I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, I'll just figure out how to moderate because I'm not an alcoholic. And I kept doing that and it just, you know, worse, worse and worse over the years. And then I started having some pretty significant mental health issues from all the alcohol. So I developed anxiety and that would keep me up um, multiple nights per week for like half the night. And then I would also, I hated myself so intensely for not being able to control myself um, that I would force myself to stay awake and think about what a horrible loser I am. Also multiple nights per week. Um, so like at that middle of the night jolt after you're drunk and pass out, yeah, I would stay awake from then until like the sun came up, just thinking about how much I suck for hours. Wow. It was brutal. And then that eventually turned into suicidal thoughts. Um, so then I would have anxiety and I would be thinking really, really scary things. Um, and that's ultimately why I stopped drinking and my moderation obsession. It didn't even like stop. Then I was like, okay, you're punishing yourself every day you feel really suicidal and that's scary, but you're still going to be able to moderate someday. So I took 90 days off. I was like really desperate one day. I hadn't slept the whole night. I was really afraid I'd do something to myself. And I was like, okay, 90 days, not going to drink. And the goal wasn't like, let's see if I like this lifestyle. The goal was let's get a reset and then moderate. And then I went back to drinking after 90 days. Wow. And the suicidal thoughts went away immediately. 
And I was like, this is amazing. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be cured. Yeah. Cured. Yeah. And then I started drinking and then it all came back. And I drank, I think I drank for four months after that. And it came back so quick, all of the horrible stuff. And then same thing, didn't sleep the whole night. Um, got super drunk at brunch, drank all day long, all night long, passed out, kept myself up thinking really scary things. And then I was like, I can never drink again. And only because the 90 days was I able to really like accept that because I saw like I didn't drink for three months and then my drinking was the same. Like there was no, there was no benefit. There was no moderation. Like I wasn't, I didn't reset anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that allowed me to like actually accept. I only drink one way. Yeah. I say that often. Like I know that if I have one drink, because it's the first drink, right? Yeah. That I will be back to that place where I was so quickly. You know, it, it won't take 10, 15, 20 years like it did the first time. It will probably take 15 minutes, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, I know that I will immediately pick up right where I left off. Yeah. And there might even be like a small delay for some people. Like it doesn't immediately like explode your life. There may be a delay, but you're going to get back to the way that you drink because like, no matter what I was pursuing, like one drink didn't do anything for me. Yeah. So I can't change that. And that was my problem. And that's why even a hundred drinks didn't, didn't do it for me. Yeah. So this time you quit and it stuck then, right? Yeah. So almost two years since that very scary night, it stuck. And again, the suicidal thoughts went away right away. Um, I finally developed some self-esteem, <laughs> which was nice. It's yeah. not nice hating yourself that deeply. No, it really isn't. So what was hubby's sort of reaction through, throughout this? He would actually stay up with me. So he was also losing sleep and he would stay up and just try to help me and help me like calm down and help me like not guilt myself. Like he'd keep saying, you didn't do anything. Like most of the time I didn't, I didn't even humiliate myself. Like I would just be in my house getting drunk and then I'd go to bed and he'd keep trying to say, you didn't do anything. But I felt like just the act of drinking was so bad and I would guilt myself for it. Um, So he was up all night, too, and trying to support me and like every moderation strategy I had. He was like supportive, like, okay, I'll I'll pour your drinks for you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Here's your rubber band. Yeah, right. (laughs) You you don't have any more rubber bands on. What are you doing? (laughs) Right. Where's your notebook? (laughs) You know, laughter is something that I use daily now. And, you know, we're not laughing because it's a lighthearted subject. I think now we can look back and see that our actions or that our trying to moderate in, in such ways is a little silly. So, that is why we laugh. I think if, if you're in agreement with that gel, but you know, if you're not in a place where, where you're 
able to laugh yet or that laughter is is part of your day-to-day, it can be. Uh, you know, you can get to a place where there is laughter again and there is is beauty in the world. And, you know, the first step for me to achieve that was removing alcohol from my life. So thanks for sharing your story. So Jill, you are a biochemist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So scientist by day. And you, and you had been in the field prior to, to stopping drinking, right? Yeah. So I was working for three years while I was drinking every day. What role, I guess, did like the scientific and the research part of your personality play into it? I know that your podcast and, and the things that you now do day to day focus heavily on the scientifics of addiction. Yeah. So as part of my job, I'm encouraged and expected to keep up on like all the latest research in the field. Um, So it's just like a normal activity for me. And when I was drinking, I was convinced it was my fault. Like I grew up with the thought that I would never let something like this happen to me. And then it happened to me. And because I had that thought that it was a choice and it was a weakness, Mm. I like projected all of that onto myself. So I was like, you're a loser. You're the worst person that's like literally ever existed. Um, You're a failure. You're bad. I would always say I was bad. And when I stopped drinking, I'm like, okay, now I have all these beliefs that I am a loser with no willpower. And that's why I couldn't moderate. And like, is this actually the truth? And that's why I started reading about it because I knew where to find the truth. Um, Because like going into the primary literature, not like an article written about the research is where you get like the unbiased information. So I just started reading papers um, every single day and like, writing notes for myself. Like it was just something that I did by myself for myself for a long time um, until I was like seven or eight months sober. And then that's when I started sharing because it was really helping me um, like stop feeling so horrible about myself. And like I was a failure. It's interesting because for a period of time, alcohol was working for me. You know, it was quieting that shame. It was quieting those voices that were telling me I too was a loser and worth nothing. So it worked for a while until it didn't, you know, and until I, of course, took it to the next level. And I'm interested if alcohol ever played that fun social role for you, or did it quickly go to like the misery, self-hatred aspect? Uh, My husband and I would go out a lot multiple times a week bartenders knew us like everybody loved us we would go to parties a lot and like that part was fun and I loved that feeling when you start drinking and like everything's instantly like you're so happy everything is fun you're like instantly connecting with the other drinkers and yeah um so yeah it would be fun in the beginning and I was always chasing that I wanted to find a way to keep that part alive and not do the misery, get drunk, hate myself part. 
because uh, I didn't actually like to be drunk. I liked to get a buzz on and like have fun. But once I got drunk, I was not having fun anymore. It was miserable. And I was really prone to blacking out and like putting myself in dangerous situations. So I never was trying to get drunk. It just like accidentally happened almost every day. (laughs) (laughs) I I tripped and fell. Yeah. Yeah. The alcohol just like, you know, hit me in the face. Right. By accident. (laughs) I'm interested in what our brains go through. Do we ever return to a state, our brains, do they ever return to a state, you know, as they were prior to substance abuse? Yeah. So alcohol damages the connections in our brain. It damages the whole brain, like every single part, every single function, but it damages the connection. So that's called the white matter. So the gray matter is like the stuff, like the amygdala, the frontal lobe, like all the different parts. And the white matter is how those parts are connected to each other and how they communicate to each other. So alcohol damages that. So your brain can't like send messages that it needs to send, like like, hey, stop drinking. Like, mm. you got to drive. Yeah. Like, you think it, but like, it's not going anywhere. Um, and when you stop drinking, your brain can heal. So, it depends, obviously, like on your genetics, how long you drink and how much you drink. Like, I drink every day for seven years. Someone who drank every day for 40 years may have a very different experience in recovery than me. Um, But for the most part, things do recover um, fully or very close unless you've done permanent damage. But if you did, you would be you'd be aware that you have a condition that like alcoholic neuropathy, like nerve damage. You'd be aware if you had that. Um, But yeah, fully or very close to fully for most people, which is exciting. That is exciting. I think. I was unaware of that, but that's that's exciting to know that your your brain can actually really repair itself. Yeah, we're not stuck with all the damage that was done while we were drinking. Like we used to believe that the brain develops until we're 25 and then like you get what you get and that's yeah. it. But it can heal and like still grow and change and like get better or get worse. Like if you're drinking, Mm. Um, but yeah, the brain isn't just stuck frozen in time. It can change. So what inspired you to take this knowledge, you know, put it into a podcast and put it into these courses that you offer and to really, you know, give back to those who may still be struggling. Yeah. So it was helping me so much to understand that it's not my fault. Um, That was something that I believed for so long. It was my fault. It was something I chose. It was something I deserved. And the more that I understood why this kind of thing happens to people, the more I let go of those feelings. And the shame was very hard when I stopped drinking because it was so intense while I was drinking, I struggled a lot with like bad memories and, Mm -hmm. and like guilting myself and everything I learned helped me see, like, it's not you. Like it's, I'm just someone that kind of had bad luck (laughs) and I got this problem, but I didn't like ask for it. I didn't choose it. I didn't do any of that. And 
Um, and that was helping me so much that that's why I decided to share. So I, I woke up one morning um, and I was like, I got to share this information. I got to tell everybody. And I was like, okay, how are we going to do that? And I was like, well, you could write a blog. You could make a podcast. You could start a YouTube. Those were my three things. Yeah. And I was like, blogging, I don't know if anyone like loves blogs anymore. Yeah. I don't know how to make a website even. <laughs> um, and then I was like, YouTube, that's very intimidating. Yeah. I don't know how to do video. And I was like, okay, we'll podcast. But then I didn't know how to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of had the same out. realization one day. I, and it was... <laughs> Like, how do I, how do I impart this yeah. experience that I've had to other people? And I, I kind of had the same, um, <laughs> YouTube was something I, I wasn't sure I wanted to tackle, although I did have a mediocre channel for a while, but I talked about my own experience so much that I like ran out of things to talk about with myself and my own story. So yeah. I was like, how can I bring other people in? How can I help share other people's stories and journeys? And I too knew nothing about podcasting. So I, I spent the time to like do my research and, and prepare myself and educate myself on like the platform. And the, you know, the rest, the rest is history. But I think this platform just lends itself so perfectly to recovery and to what you and I both do. I think it's just like the perfect forum. Yeah. And when I stopped drinking, I had to go right back to work and I binged podcasts. I had my headphones in, which signaled like, please don't talk to me. Leave me alone. The universal and I, <laughs> sign. <laughs> and I binged podcasts for the first week all day long at work. And I like that over YouTube, even though I also do YouTube, because if you don't want to share and you just kind of want to dabble in this by yourself, it's on your phone. Like no one can see if your screen right. is off, you know, right. and it's safe and secure and private. So that's why that's one reason why it's amazing. So I know that you often when people ask you questions or for advice on things, you often say like, well, in episode 57, I talk about, or in episode 43, there is good advice on X, Y, and Z. And I just admire that about you because it, I mean, I remember all of my conversations, but it's, it's, I certainly don't have the library readily available for people. So I, I just always admire you for, for being able to sort of spit it out like that. Drop random numbers. Yeah, drop. <laughs> it's easier when you're solo though, because I can True. just look it up. Like I do everything in Google Docs and I I might know like, oh, I talked about sugar somewhere in the 40s. Yeah. And okay. I can search sugar and it's yeah. like 43. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah, it's it's different when you're alone. So do you script everything in written form first? So I have an outline um, because I some of my episodes are so data heavy. Yeah, uh, it's very important that I get that right, um, like precise and accurate. So if there's numbers or like this study from 2017 published in blah blah blah, like I'll write that out so I have it exact. Um, but I just have like my general idea of what I want to hit, and then the 
the like information that I've found. So I read like the, my episode coming out tomorrow, I think I have like nine or 10 different sources. Mm. So I have like a lot of bullet points, like for each paper and like the main, so I put it all like in a flow. Um, so like kind of half and half. Got it. As a scientist, you need those, those stats, right. And those, um, citations to be accurate. Yeah. And sometimes there's very complicated words. <laughs> so you want to make sure you get the words correct. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I should do a blooper one day. Oh my gosh, please. please. <laughs> there's like some F words though in the bloopers. <laughs> you're trying to say it. Yeah. Oh, too funny. So I see a therapist and it is so beyond helpful in my recovery. And I know that you mentioned during your active addiction, some mental health concerns. Do you see any of those still popping up? Do you see a therapist yourself? How is the mental health aspect of things? Yeah. So I started going to therapy when quarantine started. So I was four months sober And all of a sudden we had to kill all of our cells at work and shut down all of our experiments and go home. And as someone who works primarily in the lab, I can't do that at home. And I was like, this is an excellent time to go to therapy in my living room, Yeah, you know, kind of during the day. The hell else am I going to (laughs) do? Yeah, right? And so I just started that and I'm still working with the same therapist um, like a year and a half later. And yeah, so depression has always been a problem for me. Um, So we talk about that. And like once I stopped drinking, I was so angry. I don't know if you experienced that too, but so angry for the first year, like I still struggle with anger, but I would get overcome with rage that would last like two days. And I couldn't like even function. Mm. Like it was hard to live my life at the same time feeling that way. So we worked through that. That took a while, (laughs) but yeah, I don't have that problem anymore. Um, So yeah, I agree with you. Therapy is amazing. Go to therapy if you're not going listeners. Go to therapy. I too, right around the first round of like isolation during the pandemic, I ramped up to to two sessions a week because I am one who isolation is like my go-to, like my old familiar friend. Yeah. You know, that I always turn to or when things are getting a little tough or you know, there's things that are cropping up in my life that I don't want to deal with. I retreat within myself. I isolate. And, you know, the pandemic hit and there was all of a sudden no excuse that I had to make to not hang out with people. I didn't have to come up with a reason to not leave my apartment for a week or, you know, it was it just became easier. And I decided that I wanted to like get in front of that problem because I just know myself well enough that I have to like sort of be preemptive on things like that. So I I definitely increased my time uh, with my therapist and she's, she's just amazing. Like she gets me, you know, and, and she can 
ask these thought provoking questions and, and really get to like the core of my issues. And it's just changed my recovery and for the better, obviously, and in such a different way. So I agree, man, get, get to therapy. I think if everyone saw a therapist, this world would be like, huh, a kinder place at minimum. Yeah. Your therapist is your champion. They're on your team. They're, they're like, I don't know, your bodyguard of, of the mind. And they're just there to help you. Like, it's not a shameful, like you're weak. You got to go to therapy. It gets, it's a great thing to do. What's one thing that you hope people hear from you today on the podcast or a takeaway that you'd like listeners to have? I hope that you listen to my story of extreme moderation dedication. And if that is you and you are thinking you'll be able to figure it out, you're not like us, we don't understand, um, you're different, then I hope that you saw yourself a little bit in my story um, because I don't know if there was anyone that was more dedicated to moderating than me. And like the thought of giving up alcohol was like, I didn't even want to live that life. And for someone who obsesses that way, freedom, like real freedom, which is sobriety is just the best thing ever. Like it's amazing. And you can get your life back too. Beautiful. I hope that you don't think that you're a loser anymore, Jill, because I admire uh, the work that you do and you have a very specific focus to recovery and I, I just adore you and the work that you do. So I'm honored that you spent time with us here on the podcast. Jill has an amazing podcast called Silver Powered. I will link everything in the show notes for today definitely check it out. She uh, has, you have this, just this way of, of delivering and speaking that is comforting. And I just love listening to you. So um, I appreciate the work that you do. Oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Thank you. It's true. And I mean it all. Um, Jill and I will be working on some Instagram live stuff and uh, hopefully some other stuff in the future. So um, Jill Teets, thank you so much for your time today. And we, of course, will keep in touch. Uh, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you. Thank you.